This is Brenda Daly, and this is Real Women Celebrating Women Independent Film, and I'm talking to Tamia Dow. Tamia Dow, many facets, is retired military uh, police department in, here in Las Vegas, and she's also a chaplain here. Not only does she have stories that she tells personally from her own personal soul, but she also tells story about other people because she hears them every single day. And to me, is a very big go-getter. I always see her out there uh, helping people or at least listening and, and, and supporting them. So I'm super excited to have you here, Tamia. What's new? I, you have something going on as far as like a documentary? Introduced to this, Middle Eastern Indian pastor who came to visit our church in January because we have uh, two annual conferences. We're an international church and we have pastors come in all the time. Well, this particular uh -huh. pastor was um, speaking with different people in the congregation and she had mentioned that she had this powerful life story and she really wanted to tell it. Well, many of the people in at the church know that I make films. So they said, well, you need to connect with Tamia. You know, Tamia makes movies and, you know, I'm sure she'd be really interested in your project. So I sat down with her, had lunch. And of course her story mm -hmm. is just fascinating, right? Um, it is going to be a, a tearjerker, um, heartbreaker, but mm -hmm. also, you know, very inspirational because it talks about the ups and downs of her life. And, and what's so in interesting about the film itself is the amount of research I had to do as an American filmmaker to put together an Indian film. What I think is super interesting about this is that she is from another country. And, you know, we live our day to day. We don't really know what a woman's struggle is in a different country because we think that we're second best or we've been treated second best here in the United States. But in a country like India, we have no idea what the treatment of women are there. Right, exactly. That's a good point. That's part of, uh, that's a lot of the research that I'm finding out too, as to the limitations actually that were placed on her from birth. I mean, literally when she told me her story from birth, she was rejected. Her father didn't want her because a female child, they say girl child, are very expensive because they have to pay dowries to marry them off. So the families would rather have boy children because then people will be paying them money. I think that that's, that goes back, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years where a family got ahead to, and it was always through the uh, purchase of, of a daughter, like a daughter would purchase a husband. And I think that, the, and then she was considered a second class citizen. Correct. Yeah, she went into her, it's gonna, it's a really interesting story. She went into the home of her husband and she married very young. She married at like 15, but her mom married her mm -hmm. off quickly because, you know, even as she was introduced into the household, the father didn't want her around, you know, so the mother tried to marry her off quickly. And she, as a teenage child, was envisioning this, you know, princess bride type scenario, you know, that she's uh -huh. going to marry into this wealth of family and that her, you know, all of her servants and this are going to be just, you know, treating her like a queen. And of course, when she got into that household, she was like, an indentured servant you know so it's a very very powerful story and she goes through many twists and turns and and I just think that her story is not just the story of this Indian woman who goes from being rejected and unwanted to actually um, becoming a 
she's a pastor. She's an inspirational speaker. She speaks around the world. So her story has gone for triumph, you know, and she talks a lot about um, lowering yourself and respecting yourself, believing in yourself. And, and then, of course, um, about forgiving people and moving on. I thought it was interesting that you said something about she thought she was going to have servants. Does that mean she came from money? She did. She did come from money. And he actually okay. had money, too. They were both in the same class and the same cast. Yes. Oh, OK. OK. So he just married her for a for a not not really. She did end up having children with him. There's a whole lot of twists and turns. I don't want to tell everything away. But okay, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of what happened in that house that people will be shocked about. And, you know, and she for years, because of the fact that they are in the upper caste, you know, you don't tell your business, you're not supposed to divorce, you're not supposed to have domestic violence, you're not supposed to have, you know, and all of this actually happened to her and actually when she was very young, you know, so it, it is a when she told me her story. She first just sat down and told me her story. And I said, this was in January. And I said, your story has to be told. It, it, you mm -hmm. have, you know, you have such an amazing story of triumph over, I mean, she tried to kill herself twice. I mean, there's just like so much stuff in, in her life that people need to hear and people will learn from. And it's a universal, like I was saying, it's a universal story of victory because regardless of where someone comes from, they watch her story. Yes, they will be educated about the Indian culture, but they also will be educated about the power of a woman and the ability that once a woman realizes her worth and stands in her power, she can go on not only to make her life better, and then Anu also had children to make her children's life better, but also to help other people see that they too can live a better life. What it was like then, but w women, and we're talking, the, we're talking about in the 1800s, you know, women were, um, at the age of consent was 12. So if a woman went missing at 12 years old, and we're talking a child, then people would not go look for her because that was the age of consent. So if she was kidnapped or trafficked or whatever they did to these girls, it didn't matter. And that was here in the United States. Wow. And that's, it still that's happens. Sad. Yeah, that's really sad. It's, it's, and, and I think that that's kind of your, uh, that happens here too in the United States, but people don't talk about it. But I know that, uh, people are still marrying off their young young daughters at 15. I think at the turn of the century, the age of consent was 12. And there's a movie that was with Brooke Shields and she was very young and it was called Pretty Baby. And I was not allowed to watch it because I was way too young at the time because my mother was like, oh no, <laughs> this right. is not a movie for you. And of course, I always loved Brooke Shields because her and I are pretty close to the same age. So I, you know, I was a big fan. Right. Uh, the George Ash commercials and everything. And then... Um, as an adult, when I had very, when my children were very small, I was came home late at night from work and I watched this movie and I was aghast. Not only was I aghast at the content of the movie, I was aghast that Brooke Shields was the only person at 12 or 13 years old that was naked in that film and they still aired it. Wow. To me, that's like, that is like, if, if you're doing research on a movie and they try to do everything very close to mantra as far as I know you've dealt with women that were sex trafficked. And so I think it's a super important universal story to tell. Now that we've gone into the whole women empowerment, we are women, let's form. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that.
that because I mean, that's kind of what this whole podcast is about. Are you doing any scripted shows? Or are you focused just on the documentary right now? Because I know that's well, a lot. I say just yeah. documentary. It took me a year and a half. To- right. And I actually have an expedite, an expedited time frame on her because there is a um, Hollywood interest in her story. So we are, we have to get her story done by December 18th because she's going to be hand carrying the trailer, the, the short film to um, potential investors that are Oh, so she's going to use the documentary to pitch her story. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so, so there's I, all contracts so and everything involved with all you guys, right? Correct. So that, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's and that's good. why I said I'm not going to go, you know, super, super deep into the story. But, um, but I'm just really, I really feel blessed that she, that she selected me because just to give you how the COVID angle is on it. So I was supposed to go to India in August to film this. And then of oh. course, COVID happened. Right. So she knew that she had this offer from um, that of interest of people to, to actually make it a, a major movie, you know, so she mm-hmm. came here this she's been here since right before Thanksgiving and that and we've been working on getting the cast because you got to think about I had to I have to recreate India here in the US because all of this that happened to her happened to her in India. So I can't cast American actors. I mean, I can carry cast American actors, of course, of Middle Eastern Indian descent, be pretty authentic looking. So we have been able to locate quite a few people who are of Middle East or yeah, Middle Eastern Indian descent, and some of them may not actually be actors. So we haven't given any like major non-actors a lot of a lot of words. You know, <laughs> we haven't we haven't scripted them. They just kind of are you know, in, in the area, you know, background, you know, that kind of stuff. But just because well, we're telling the life of an Indian person and her story all occurred in India, none of it occurred in the United States or Britain or any place. Challenge that we are having is to make sure that we make it authentically Indian cast, Middle Eastern Indian characters and tell her story. And we, we had to look for, we had to scout locations. We had to uh, get filming, you know, the, what is it? The set that we could have set and designed as Middle Eastern homes for that, from that time period, because you got to figure, uh, you know, I, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you and I've had the opportunity to do 40 hour film projects. And I feel that this is somewhat of it, just a little more extended. <laughs> Because I have to get the the set locations and the and the Indian actors and you know all that kind of stuff and and it's a docudrama. She will be doing the voiceover, but it's still a docudrama because the reenactment will be happening while she's talking. So that's what right, and, right, and the right. and the reason we're doing it like that is because I can't get people to try to create accents. Most of my most of my um, Indian actors are actually American citizens. So they don't have the accent from home, you know, so it's a lot right. easier to just have her speaking over what that what they're we see the action, we see what they're doing, you know, and then she's speaking well, over. There's there's only a few that will actually say their lines and we have to coach right. them to have a bit of an accent. And that's why we're looking for or we, we put out that we wanted actors. Certain roles we just said, like somebody plays her sister. Well, her sister has no lines, so you you could just come and be her sister. Right. 
but somebody plays her older sister and that sister has lines. So it needs to be an actress because we can't be sitting on set trying to coach someone because we really, we're only doing a three day shoot, you know, and we have to, we have to adhere to COVID. So all the the shooting is going uh, for lack of a better way of saying it by appointment, you know, so each scene, we're not going to have more than six people on set at any given time. And that includes the, the person behind the camera, the director, and then the actors in the room, you know, so, right. so that's, uh, you know, that's the new COVID um, regulation. So we, we are not like, if someone is not in the scene, they're going to be nowhere near the set. You know, we don't want them hanging out. We don't want, you know, it's like your, right. your appointment. Right. It's just something that filmmakers have to uh, do something different now because the world is different. Even the television shows, everybody's doing it different you can see the dividers between them um right you, know, you can see and, the and physical distancing yes yes they're yes, doing I... some interesting stuff my husband loves that show so um oh, is, is it all rise that was called all, all anyway, rise. yeah all right yeah, yeah yeah so he loves that show but i noticed they're doing some real interesting things with her and the guy who plays her husband you know, right and even they... the soap operas are doing it too now the soap operas have them distance from each other so so we're going to do the same kind of thing. I mean, there's a few scenes where, um, you know, there's supposed to be some intimacy, but we're not going to do the intimacy. You know, right. uh, like at one point she was supposed to catch someone in bed. Well, we're not going to put those two actors in bed together. You know, we're going to have uh-huh. it where she comes in and one of one of the actors is already out of the bed. But we clearly know that something happened in the bed. You know what I mean? So you're doing a docudrama about a woman from India who has triumphed. I love that. But what about all the other projects that you have going? I know, are they close to being done? I, I don't even know how many there are now. Right. I know. Yeah. So um, Stephen and I just wrapped up final four. So Stephen Sebo is the director of photography that I have pretty much worked with on 11 films. We've counted it. We have 11 films mm-hmm. together. He's an awesome. amazing cinematographer, director of photography, yes. editor. He just does a lot of great work. And um, I just feel really blessed to have him um, working with me on all these projects. And he was very excited. We went over to his house and met his met his wife so his wife could meet Anu. And they just became really fast friends. And he's very excited to tell the story because we know that this is going to be an international film, you know, that people will definitely be watching it around the globe so it's a very exciting step for both of us to 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 step into the international stage things that they don't understand and i think that that's like the big blow up with the whole queen's gambit have you seen that yet no not yet Mm -mm. oh i mean i never played chess my whole life and it's the way they told the story and it was there it was so well done and it was kind of a way about a girl and it wasn't one woman but it really was about two women Uh, the secondary character was her best friend in um a all-girls orphanage Mm -hmm. and they were so in a time where it would be a huge thing to be different because it just shows you that it's not just women that people can triumph over over adversity you know which i think is super important and i know that that's like your love of your stories i think there's that isn't about uh right that's always the overarching message is that the victory for a woman and the empowerment of a woman usually and children you know, because when I do my movies talking about domestic violence and sex trafficking and child stalking, you know, it's for uh, safety and empowerment of vulnerable people, which tend to be women and children. 
because um, yeah, men can think... men men can also be victimized. I don't forget that because as a domestic violence detective, I dealt with many men that were the victim of domestic violence. Yet for the most part, the ones who are victimized are usually the women and the children. I think it's the way we're raised. It's just it's kind of a, the whole stigma of how you know, women are raised and kind of told that we are the weaker. And it's funny, I met a woman the other day on a shoot and she she had gained, I don't know, a ton of weight when she was married. She's married 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so she just recently went through a divorce, but she shed all this weight and she's the lead in a new film with Gino Payne. I don't know what the name of it is, but just to hear her story, because you could just tell that she was abused and that she got right. to a point and it's, it's sad that we have to wait till we're 40 to figure this stuff out, but you get into your forties and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, it's time to empower. I, I wish that, you know, we would all in our twenties have somebody to tell you, no, you're empowered in your twenties or you're f- 15. You, you, the lessons we should teach our daughters is that they are empowered at any age. Right. Exactly. Yes. Speak up. Yeah. That's interesting because this, this, this character's older sister, who was quite a bit years, she's about 12 years older than her. And when she first saw her in an abusive marriage, the sister had given her some advice that I'm not going to give away, but it was definitely a older sister empowering a younger sister saying, you know, I'm at this stage. I've been through this. I don't want you to go through this. This is what I suggest you do kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I think people um, do And unfortunately, people. unfortunately, sometimes young people, it, it's kind of like the, the, when they say, when you tell a child that the stove is hot, don't touch the eye, the stove is hot. And they look at you and they go, well, I want to see if the stove is hot, you know, <laughs> so they touch the eye, right? You know, so unfortunately, it's sometimes in scenarios such as that, when you have an older you know, more experienced person who's gone through it, who says to you, don't do this because and you're just like, well, it's going to be different for me. Let me, if I touch the stove, it won't burn me. You know. <laughs> well, I think too, I mean, because I am a mother of three, I think too, uh, with mothers and daughters, I think we're always trying to, when we're younger, we don't understand what our mothers go through because we're not mothers ourselves. And so when you say right. the thing about the stove is hot, they don't believe you. But if somebody on the, and this is where we get into trouble with somebody on the outside says to them, the stove is hot. They go, oh, the stove is hot. I don't know why right. that is <laughs> or why we're ingrained that way. But don't you think that's kind of true? I know it's true in my household. It's like, I will have my daughter's I will tell them something and they like, I am crazy and that I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And this is when they were younger. They're good now. But I'm just saying when they were in their teens and everything, and I'll tell them something and I'll tell them these things on your own. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to give you my experience. And then they'll right. go ahead and do that thing that I told them probably is not a good idea. And then three months later, they'll go, you know, mom, you were right about that. I'm like, Ah. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or someone else. Yeah. Or someone else tells them and they're like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. If I, and it's funny because you almost have to bring somebody in from the outside to explain because I don't know what it is. I have influences with the Internet and other, you know, when the kids go to school. I'm not really sure why that happens, but it is very true. So I tend to give a lot of advice to kids that aren't my children. And then they right. go back to their mother and they go, you know, mom. And then the moms look at me like, yeah, I just told Thanks. you that. Yeah. I, know, I know you did, but it, it came from somebody on the outside. So it makes more sense to them. Don't ask me why. Been there, done that. 
So <laughs> that's funny. That's but really I funny. I think too, that's why our kids get in a lot of trouble. Our daughters get in a lot of trouble. Um, I know independence is very important. And um, so if you kids are listening out there, you guys need to understand that your mothers love you and they, and your parents love you. And they are going to tell you things that you probably don't want to hear. So you, you want to avoid it. But I think that your empowerment is to at least do your research. Right. You know, you exactly. don't, don't believe everything somebody tells you, do your research, including your parents. Cause right. we don't know everything, but we've already been through a lot. So sometimes you just kind of, it's the Mr. Miyagi syndrome. You need Everybody needs a Mr. Miyagi in their life, you know? Yes, they need that older mentor. Yes, indeed. Right. So I want to answer your question because I know you want to know. So um, for our listeners, it's very coolly. uh, Brenda and myself and Julie Garcia are in a women's documentary coming out. Mm -hmm. And she I know you want to know where that's at. And I have to tell you, a lot of it has to do with the fact that our guy is working so many projects. So when we can get him to sit down. which I hope will. So Brenda, to answer your question, um, where we're at on the project that we're working Mm -hmm. on together, just Uh to let you guys know that are listening, Brenda and I and Julie Garcia have a project and it's uh, take two, their second act. It's a documentary about us coming into the film industry as a second act in our careers. Cause you heard Brenda mention the, the things that I've done before and I'm doing now. And then she's also in her second act. She's now a producer, filmmaker, director, a screenwriter now. And Julie Garcia is also doing the same thing. So we got together, we have a collaborative documentary film. It's called Take Two, Their Second Act. And we are looking to have that out and available come January, 2021. So I'm very excited about that. And that is what, as you asked me, one of the projects we're working on. Yeah, I, this is on anchor.fm, but you also on Spotify, Breaker. Um, we're super excited to have Tamia back. Uh, I'm sure when I talk to you again and we do another one in six months from now, you'll have many, many more exciting things going on, <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, but I will be, uh, I will be in the next Most month. Definitely. Uh, I, well, since we're, it's releasing, maybe we'll uh, work this out in January 20 like I want to say like the 5th of January we get through the holidays and then I'll have you and Julie on um, and that would be super exciting and finding out what's new and what are our plans for the new year okay this That'd is Brenda Daly with Real Women and I've been speaking with uh, Tamia Dow and we're looking forward to her film and could you know the one thing we didn't do is what's the name of the film called A Rising Eagle A okay. Rising Eagle and you can find us on Facebook under a rising. They can get a hold of me by contacting me at director to me, director to me, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Tamia underscore Dow. All right. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I'm super excited for everything that's going on. And yes, it always. is a very important story to tell. And I will be talking to you about January 5th. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, have a great holiday if I don't see okay, you. Okay, for sure. Now and have then. you too. Be safe.